clarification. It'll just, it'll just bring a focus to things in our life and it'll help. So uh, I'd like for you to turn in your Bible with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Who's been in that book lately? Well, it's wonderful, but we're going to look in Deuteronomy. I want to go back to what we did Sunday on what faith believes. What faith believes. I said then, uh, teaching on faith does not give you faith, but it gives you a hunger for faith. It gives you a desire to turn your sails into the wind and let God fill them up. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Oh, you know, that's not it. Oh, well, that's chapter 29. This is going to be better over here. Sorry about that. Okay, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Against you. So there's a, there's a, there's a judgment of some kind where a decision has to be made. He said, I call heaven and earth. That's about all there is. To record this day against you that I, the Lord, has set before you life and death. Well, apparently the Lord can do that. He has set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then the next part, read that with me. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. The word I want to look at there is the word choose. We are, we're in a very democratic nation, and even though it seems like we're getting a little government oversight that we don't welcome, we are very free, and that's, we just make choices every day. Nobody could say their life is a wreck because of the government or because they had a bad husband or a bad teacher, whatever. We're free in the Lord, and he said that he wants us to choose. He said, I, uh, the New Living says, I've, today I've given you the choice between life and death. The choice. The choice. So whose choice is it? I mean, if, if God's in control, there's no choice, but he's given us a choice here. And between blessings and cursings, cursings, curses, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Now, most people just make choices when they have to. But that's the lowest form of faith. That's the lowest form of assimilating success into your life. You have to be proactive. You have to be preemptive. You have to be an initiator. Before the choice has to be made, if you'll make it, you'll always catch it on the high side. He said, "I, I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Choose life. That's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight, about choosing life, the choosing part. Uh, God has chosen to let you choose. He could have done it anyway. Back in the beginning, he set the thing up. He, He, like Monopoly has rules, someone has to play by the rules. And he set the world up and he said, I'm going to let you choose what to choose. The word choose or choice in the Hebrew literally means to join. So if we read that in there, uh, therefore join life that both you and thy seed may live. So it's more than just any meaning. It's more than just I'll take red, I'll take number three. It's a joining. The word also means require. So there's a lot more substance to it than a flippant, off-the-cuff choosing. Like, oh, well, I'll choose this, and if I feel different tomorrow, I'll choose that. No, this is talking about choosing or joining. Uh, in chapter 26, can you slip back? 
three or six pages. In verse 2, look at this again. Well, what is that? Well, let me just read it to you. I did happen to write that one down. 26.2. Yeah, that's it. Excuse me. That thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land, and the Lord and thy God giveth thee, and put it in a basket, and shall go into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. So that's just another thing that says there here, here's the structure, the foundation, here's how it works, but you and I have a choice. He said, I'm going to choose where I'm going to put my name. You can choose to come to where I put my name. You know how so many Christians are like, well, if God wants you want to bless me, I'm over here. You know where I am. Come and hit me. But he says, no, I'm over here. You come and where I am. That's real important. He said, uh, to which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. Well, he's, he's chose to place his name in Jesus. And so there's no other way, is there? Uh, in Joshua, Joshua is right after Deuteronomy. Joshua chapter 24. You know this one. Another word with that word choose in it. 2415. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose. Choose you this day whom ye shall serve. Whether the gods your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whom's land you dwell. Lots of cultural and social pressure there if you're living in the land of the Amorites. But as for me and my house, let's say it together, we will serve the Lord. So despite it not being easy, not being obvious, uh, being somewhat of a, a, an endeavor, he said, we will choose the Lord. So God has let you and I choose what he has chosen. He's let us go into life choosing what he has already chosen. He said, I've got it this way and you can have it that way. Choose the way that I've chosen for you. Uh, what he's saying here is, we're in a culture of, of uh, when I have to, I will. When I have to choose, I will. But today's not that day, so we're not going to. Well, you know, you just barely get through a lot of those choices because it's just too late. So uh, he's saying here, decide your life today. Join your life today with life. Don't wait until it's a, a, uh, uh, an obvious decision like you want to play in the death part or the curse part or the, the, the godless part until it gets too bad and then you're going to choose God. He's highly unimpressed with that. That I'm going to have all the fun this world has and on my deathbed I'm going to say Jesus and I'll go to heaven. And that has worked. Pastor Avery's uh, father was actually that. He, he, got, he, he led him to Jesus on his deathbed. But lots of people don't make it. And so... Decide your life now is what the word is saying. There's just one place that chooses in the New Testament, and I would like for you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, and then we're going to get into faith. Philippians chapter 1, you'll recognize this one. Philippians chapter 1, verse 22. Paul is, he's run his race. He's finished his course. He's done. You know, you can get there. When I was a farmer... We had a saying, you never finished, you just quit. And you, house works that way and, you know, all that sort of stuff. 
Well, that's the way most of us would view living life is that you never finish. You, ne- you just go until you can't go anymore. But that's not how the Word portrays it. The Word says that there's a thing that you and I are supposed to give ourselves to, and He will supply us and equip us, and when we get it done, we're done. Charles Capps left that way. There's, there's been several. Uh, Brother Hagin left that way. But he said in verse uh, 20, 22, I believe, he said... Well, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait between betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So he's choosing there, isn't he? We all choose. Life is a, is, a, is a day of choosing. When you get up in the morning, you choose your priorities. There's more things that could be done, maybe should be done, than you can possibly do. There's more things that need to be thought about. There's more prayers to, to pray and more word to read than we can get around being overwhelmed with just 20 or less hours. So we set our, all day long we're choosing. As we take our track, we say, I'm going to do this today, and we take our track. Well, then it branches three times. So you choose one of those, and then it branches three times. And then you choose whether to be mean to the neighbor or be nice to the neighbor. And, you know, all the things, whether to buy gas here or buy gas there. Life is a choice in so many ways. But really, there's just one choice. And Paul said here, I'm choosing to stay because of you. I'm choosing the fruit. So the word choose in the New Testament in the Greek means to take for yourself. So let me let me plug that in there. Verse 22. He said, uh, for I'm in a straight. Verse 23. No, excuse me. Verse 22. Yet what I choose, I wot not. Uh, Let's see if I wrote that down in another version. He said, what I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. So he said, the word choose there is to take for yourself. He said, what I take for myself, I cannot tell. So a choice is for me. And it, it's, it's significant in your life what you choose. It's, we think we have options as Americans and, and all those things, but really our society is more rigorous than we usually think. The only place there's liberty is in the Lord Jesus. And then we, even in him, we choose, and it's so obvious that we're glad we chose it, and there's a supply for it, and so we run with it. The will of God is wonderful. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, don't turn there, because it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Let's say it together. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So we're talking about faith tonight for a few minutes. We walk by faith not by sight. So there's the choice. You choose. It's everything that you think's got three branches to it and which way you could go. Each one of them that you do choose, you can walk by faith or walk by sight. So that's implying that you walk with the Holy Ghost, you walk with an intentional help, or you walk by sight, just like you've always done and how it's always been. Uh, Romans 1.17 says the just shall live by faith. 
So it's a little more imperative there. Shall live, not like you should or it's going to help. Or He said the just, the justified, the righteous, which we are, shall live by faith. Shall live. So in, in verse 7, he says we walk by faith. But in Romans, he says we live by faith. So that's everything. Galatians 2.20. Uh, you're right there. Just look back three or six pages. We read it Sunday. Galatians 3.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life which I, not, I now live in the flesh. Say right now. That's, what, that's where you are, the life you now live in the flesh. There's a choice. You can choose. He said, I'm choosing, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Obviously, there's another choice. Live by your instincts, by your education, by your experience, by uh, your social, social status or whatever, by sight. Live by sight. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we see choosing here. Choosing to live by faith. And it's important that we know that, we believe that, because, because, excuse me, but it, because it doesn't just come on you and just say, I believe I'll live by faith. It's so much more fun than just going and getting an ice cream bar or whatever. <laughs> no. It requires a deep and, and a drawing out and a commitment and a, a, a focus to walk by faith until... It's the way you live. Once you get to living by faith, it's not a big choice in what shall I do. It's like tithing. When you first start out, it's, it's the biggest question. It's the biggest struggle you've ever had. But after you get going, after it's living by faith, it's just like, ah, that's just normal. That's just like blinking. We just do it all the time. Um, I want to turn just because Romans chapter 10 we looked at that scripture too. Let me go over these just a little bit and then we'll, we'll nail some stuff down. Verse 17. I hope you have a star around this verse. Romans 10, 17. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word there could be arise or is awakened, but whatever. We'll, we'll just say cometh's okay. Uh, it's, it's the only way it comes. So if you're not in the word or the word's not in you, you are not going to be walking by faith and you're not going to be living by faith. Could we could we agree on that? Because there's a choice. You can live by faith, which requires you to hear and hear and hear the word. And then there's walking by sight, which is that you hear the word of the world. You hear the world, you hear the world, and you hear the world. The doctor says this is how it is. The banker says this is all we can do. Whatever. And you hear that until you believe that. And then that's what you have. So we could say we walk by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we say we walk by faith, we could say we walk by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we walk? We walk by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're not hearing and hearing the word of God, we're not walking by faith. Well, I'm an optimist. I just think it'll turn out good. And, you know, grandma, she's this and praying for that. It's just that's 
you, you, you got to have some lucky stars to make that come out consistently, and we don't believe in them. Hallelujah. So uh, we walk by hearing and hearing by the word, and then we live by hearing and hearing by the word. The just shall live by faith. We live by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And if we're not hearing the word of God, I go to church all the time. I got me a good bench and we sleep. I get 40 good minutes right there. You know, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're in church. It doesn't matter if your wife's playing the, the, the read through the Bible. It doesn't matter. It's what you and I do that changes your life. If you want to live by faith, you've got to live by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. If you want to walk by faith, you've got to hear and hear and hear the word. So we could say in verse 17 there, uh, excuse me, verse 17 of Romans, the just shall live by faith. We could say that living by hearing and hearing the word of sight. So how, how do people not live by faith? Well, they're, they're in faith. And we talked about it Sunday. You're in faith. You're just not in the God kind of faith. Faith is an attribute of believing. Believing until you say it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you believe unto saying is what you're having, what you're living, what you're drawing from, and nothing else. Whatever you believe unto saying, whatever you believe until your heart is saturated, it believes and it says. That's what we're having. I don't mean that. I just joshing. I'm just kidding around. I don't really mean that. That's not what the word says. We fill our heart with what we want to come out. And what comes out is our future. It creates our future, just like the Lord said, light be. And that's how it was created. So uh, what are you here to believe forms a conviction resolve. Let me say it again. Whatever you here to believe, here to believe, here and here and here, and you believe. You, you, there's doctrines. Uh, God moves in. God moves in mysterious. Yeah, God works His wonders or wonders. His miracles. Y'all know the verse better than I do. It's not in the Bible. But if you hear that and hear that and hear that, and and Grandma said it, and you know she was a buzzer of a Christian. We don't cross Grandma. Then you believe that unto saying, and so that's what you believe, and that's what you'll say. And then, therefore, that's what you'll have. So, let's talk about this conviction. I, I, I am sure about this thing, conviction. Remember in the movie Alamo, where uh, uh, Bowie, what was his first name? David Bowie, yeah. Where, where they were in the fort, in the, in the mission, and the armies were all around them, and it was, it was fish or cut bait time. And historians say that uh, David Bowie drew a line with his sword in the sand. And he said, if you want to go with us, you have to cross the line and you can't jump back tomorrow or the next day. And he drew a line. And so those that had conviction who were persuaded to go with Mr. Bowie crossed the line. And finally, everybody else crossed the line, but it didn't mean they went with conviction it could have been peer pressure. You understand what I'm saying? So a conviction is the line that's in all of our lives 
about many areas, about money, about healing, about child raising, about how to drive a car. A conviction is a line that cannot be crossed. It's whatever line you have in your life. It may be way out there and way little. In other words, you'll just do anything. I'm up for anything. You know, if we want to go partying, if we want to smoke this, or we want to run around with that, no, there's no lines. But all of us have a line, and especially in the church, we have lines. And they develop by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word. We hear what we want to believe until we do believe, and now the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and whatever we speak, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you, the, word, the book says, Job. So it'll be established unto you. So a conviction is very important. That's what I'm trying to say. Conviction is what you're living by. It's not, it's not what you prefer that you're living by. The choice or the choosing the fork in the road eventually will come where you have to have a line. Because there will be a so-called reward on the other side of that line, but it's, it's scary to go across that line and to take that chance and to, and to do that. But you have a conviction that says, I must do it. You know, there's a lot of things that, that, that no one could tempt anybody in this room. But if you go to a bar, not only is it tempting, you, they'll knock you down for it, you know, that sort of thing. So we have lines. Now, that's a really big line. I wouldn't drink or smoke or whatever. But we have consecrations in our life, each one of us, that we have formed, and it's moved. The line has moved, like in the sand of the Alamo. It's moved over time. If you're hearing and hearing the Word, it becomes stronger and it moves forward. And we're, willing to, we're unwilling to make choices or take choices that we used to take. Things what we used to do and we didn't think anything about it, we just can't do that now. Why? Because there's a conviction, a persuasion. There's a warranty deed inside of you that says, if we, if we step across that, I just can't live with myself. And nobody's leaning on you. Nobody. That's why you can't holler at the, from the pulpit and tell people quit doing this and quit doing that. I mean, we should, but people are at different levels. That conviction level is different in all of us. So we're all living, if you think about it, by a line that's a personal line in many areas that we say cannot be breached. We just aren't going there. We're just not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. I cannot do that. I will not do that. It just can't happen. We wouldn't, now, the, the tightest line that we would all say is that we would not deny the Lord Jesus. And that's just the biggest line there is for us, no matter what. And you all, we all came to the place that said, you know, if they put a gun to my head and said, deny him. And we just say, here I come, Jesus, like Stephen. We just say, I'm on the way. But not everybody has that line, obviously. And we've never been tested in it. But we are tested in other things that cause us to, to deny his name or deny his lordship over us. And so we breach that line. Well, we don't really breach it. We breach what we think is the conviction, which was never there during the test. We find out that the line was way back here. And we're embarrassed and we're ashamed and we're, we're, we don't like where we found out the line was. You know, Peter denied the Lord three times. And that was never going to happen. But it did happen. 
And so the line wasn't there like he thought it was, and the Lord knew it. And he knows everything about, about us. So there's no line that you go, well, is this a good line or a bad line, or is this the line that's pleasing? It's just the line that you, that you put in you by what you hear. Faith, the God kind of faith, comes by hearing and hearing the word. But, the, but sight faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of sight or what you see. You see, you say what you see. We all say what we see. If we're not in faith about something, what we see or what the doctor says or what the bank book says, we see it and so we say it. And what we say enough, we believe. And what we believe, then we will say out of the heart, not just out of the head. And that then will become our line, whatever that is. So we're, lines are moving all the time for a lot of people. So natural faith, would you say, is when you are always putting images in front of you that give you a worldly belief system. Uh, if, if, if you sit under CNN, for instance, and you always hear the world is going to hell in a handbasket and everybody's bad and, and, and climate change, climate change, the biggest argument climate change has, and please, no, no cards and letters, but it, it's, it's, that, it's accusing God that he can't take care of his, his planet and his people. It's saying God's, God's not got this hammered. He didn't plan well because we're all, we're all going under and there's not enough food and there's not enough this. It's an it's a accusation against God. Well, if you believe that, if you go, yeah, that seems right, yeah. Well, then you have a conviction that's very small and you have a faith that supports that. You'll run for the hills, you know, if you... If you uh, if the temperature's hot one summer day or something, you'll, you'll just lose it. So natural faith is inspired by hearing and hearing the word of sight. And the God kind of faith is obviously inspired or arises by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the just shall live by hearing and hearing the word of God. We walk by faith. We walk by hearing and hearing the word of God, not by sight. Now, if you plug that in there, you go, i got to get in the Word. Because just because we're all floating along and there's no, no obvious uh, assault against our faith does not mean that it's there. And if you ever have a, uh, you know, if you ever have a, uh, have to go to the hospital and you think, oh, bless God, I'm, I'm Mr. Healing and Health and Wholeness and, I, 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 this and this is who I am. And if you ever land, end up there and they got a tube up your nose, you'll go, Whoops, I wasn't listening to the word. I wasn't hearing and hearing the word like I assumed to be. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm just throwing it out there to say, can we learn from this? I, I am not after anybody. So here, here's what, if you take this faith thing along, uh, how does faith work? Well, how can, you, how can you call things that be not as though they were? How can you stand with obviously discrepancy and pushback about what's going on? The facts say that you're sick or the facts say you don't have money. The facts say that. But all the time you're standing there saying, I live by faith. I'm fine. I'm good. This thing is turning out wonderful. How does that work? Well, it works by believing the word 
in substituting our old carnal system, which believes by seeing, we substitute or we bookmark the word of God to say that has more power than what I see. I see and I hear what they say and I see what's going on, but it does not trump the word of God that says by his stripes I was healed. And so it becomes a place marker from the, the way we were all raised. It's the human condition is to learn and experience and gain wisdom by what you are exposed to and how you and I overcome things and how we learn about how people are and all that. It just, it just throws all that away and just says, it doesn't matter what I've always had or seen. It doesn't matter what mama said. It doesn't matter what the boss said. I'm hearing and hearing the word of God. Therefore, I'm living the word of God. And so I'm just here to tell you, it's not something like, well, I'll just turn on faith then. No, you won't. It comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Period. That's the whole thing. There is no other thing. Well, I go to church a lot. We go to, especially on supper night when we have church and have supper. Well, you know, me and mama roll up. No, that's, that has nothing to do with anything, does it? It's what you and I do to hear and hear and keep on hearing the word of God. And of course, you can read, you can get in the first book of uh, first chapter of Matthew and read the begats. Well, that's not going to help much. <laughs> So all the words inspired, but not all of the words equally anointed for your situation. Where we all need to be, this is my thing, is we need to be in the epistles and learn out who we are, what we've been delivered from, what we can do, and what we can have. That's, if you know that, you're qualified. And faith will just rise up and meet the challenge. I ain't putting up with this. I know what they said. I know what I see. I know, I know, I know. The facts are there, they're obvious, and I've been conditioned to believe them. But I hear and hear and hear the Word of God, and I'm not going to choose. I'm not going to choose the old way. I'm going to choose to live by faith, by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Isn't that good? It just helps. It just, it just indexes things. It just segments what we already know, uh, that, that the Word of God... The possession of the word of God, possessing it and making it a part of you, not just pasting it on and saying, well, what's that scripture and what does this mean? And I don't know, but putting it in, integrating it in where it's a part of the fabric of your being and what you believe becomes a line in the sand that you go, I'm not stepping over it. This is my conviction. This is my persuasion. Didn't used to be that way. Used to be where I was a little bit and I fell back. But now this right here, whatever it is, wherever it is, whenever it is, you go, I'm not crossing that line. And that's when people rise up and say, I shall live and not die. That's where people rise up and say, I have the rent this month and I have a paid for house. It's just out of your head until it comes out of your heart. How does it get in your heart? By hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. We begin to believe those things. Matter of fact, we looked at uh, uh, Sunday, we looked at Mark chapter 11, where he says, does not doubt in his heart. That's the conviction line. I may doubt over here and I may waller out over there. I can't say I've got it all. But in this one area right here, concerning healing or concerning fine, whatever it is, it's not moving. This is how it is and it won't be different. And so... 
so you hear and hear the word of God in that area. But if you've been told you're a worm and a sorry worm and a dirty worm all your life and that, God, that you're just an old sinner saved by grace, then you, you, you don't have faith. Because you're not hearing the word. You're just hearing tradition. You're hearing religion. And it's not working for you. And like I said, we live in America where we can pretty much get a lot done as much as some people in other countries get with their faith. It's just given to us. It's just the American way. And so we've, we've never really suffered. I'm not talking about emotional suffering or, you know, things that people personally go through. But nobody in here has been homeless. Meet with me afterwards if you haven't. I'll correct it. Hallelujah. So, so when you are a hearer and a hearer and a hearer of the Word of God, then your faith or your, your who you are can rejoice. What are you doing being happy? Hell's dropping all around you. This is a, this is a war zone. This is, it's all terrible. The country's terrible and the COVID's terrible and the depression is terrible. And you're over there rejoicing because we've taken a place marker for what we see, the Word of God, and we heard it and we believe it. And that's all we see. We don't see what this is going on around here. We see hearing and hearing the Word of God. We, we see that. It's, we believe what we see. You see that. It's not like, oh, yeah, i got to keep pushing this in there. It's just who, it's like going to heaven. We all know. We all know, although nobody here has been and come back, we all know we're going to heaven. Couldn't talk. That's, that's a line in the, in the, in the floor. So uh, we, we rejoice. We can speak. We can say, I just want to tell you that this morning at 10 o'clock, I got healed of, of uh, pancreatitis or I got healed of a headache. I just want to let you know. What? What do you mean? You're in faith. That's what, that's what you heard. That's what you believe. And that's what it is. So with nothing confirming it in the sight realm, you start saying you act on it. You make plans. Uh, you, uh, yeah, you make plans. In a contrary situation, you begin to make plans. Instead of waiting for what you're believing for or what you're in faith for to be seen, you, it's like, I don't have to see that. I already know I have that. I've already received it. So I don't have to see anything to know that I have it. So based on what I know by faith, I'm going to take the next step. Whoa. Now, people, you'll lose people when you do that. It's okay to rejoice. <laughs> yes, I'm healed. Bye, bye. Yeah, it's, yes, uh, we're, we're speaking it. I'm, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. We're here, yeah, yeah. But to make plans, what you talking about? And so, that's where faith gets a little sticky. Not, not sticky for you, but sticky for someone else. They begin to assault you with their worldly faith, with what they believe and have seen. Um, we won't go there, but I will remind you that Abraham, when he believed God in Romans 4, look in verse 17 through 21, it's just marvelous. He, he staggered not at the promise of God. I mean, he got there. He got there where, what did he, what was the word he heard? The Lord told him, you're going to be the father of many nations. And it just, it just was overwhelming. His age was overwhelming his situation where he could not get his head off of his age and off of Sarah's age. Now, actually, Abraham had kids when he was 140 years old. After Sarah was gone, she went to glory and he said, who else is out here? 
<laughs> and he had kids, but you know, he was looking at Sarah and going, this ain't going to happen. But he did. It did. And, but remember, that was the supernatural part. Sarah was pregnant nine months. She delivered it in a normal human delivery way and raised the little punk, raised him up, and he, you know, he's, he, he spit in his bowl and he put his, you know, he just did kid things. It was normal as could be, even though it was a supernatural event. You're still going to have to walk it out by faith. Because they could have said, well, he's here. Now what? I'm not touching it. They had to raise him. So that's what you and I have to do. We have to believe God by hearing and hearing by the word. And then when it happens, then we go to work to, with, a, with a, a maintenance faith or a carry forward faith that says this is, this is what I got by faith and this is what I'm going to use by faith. It's, nothing's ever ended. Nothing's like, well, we got it here. Now we can go back to living by sight. Big mistake. Would you all agree that's a big mistake? We all know that's, you know. Go, well, do you want to go, you want to go to the doctor, you want to go to the hospital, or you want to live by faith? You can go to the hospital, but you better take your faith with you. You, you, you better walk in there, and they're all falling over as you're going down the hall under the power. <laughs> it wouldn't be wrong. Hallelujah. Uh, and I'll finish with this. But you know, when, when people race, race in the water, race around a track, a relay, or race, whatever they do when they compete, they all are aware of markers uh, that tell them where they are. You know, the, the marker goes up at the football game, second down, third down. It's got a, what they call a line to gain to make first down. You got you to touch that stripe or, you, or you're going to punt. And so all of these, everything in life has got a marker that tells you where you are. But Christians are the strangest things. We, we don't know how to measure the finish line. We don't know how far we are. Like, am I halfway with my life? Paul said, I'm finished. He, he measured it. He said, I crossed the finish line. The Paul finish line. It wasn't one that everybody crossed, but the Paul one. He, he crossed it and said, uh, I'm done. Now, that's an amazing statement. And, uh, but all of us have a course to run, a blueprint to, to build. All of us do. And part of it's not what you do, it's what you do to get ready to do. I'm reminded of Moses that was 40 years shepherding his daddy-in-law's sheep. I mean, he was a prince of Egypt. My Lord, it was the greatest, it was the most powerful, it was everything in that day, of anywhere in the world, and he was the prince of that. And he's back there, you know, walking around goat stuff, trying to get to, to them to the trough. So for 40 years, he didn't do anything, supposedly. But he got things out. He was really mean and mad and upset. And God put things in. And so he come out of there different. Well, a lot of what you and I are going through, you've got to measure it. You've got to measure, not say, well, I'm having a setback. This is terrible what I'm going through. It's a setback. That doesn't mean a thing. It just means that you're milking a few goats this weekend. It does. Everything can be, can be used in your life. If you have a setback, then you just have to engage a different part of faith that says, I recover. I recover. This setback is not describing me or, or identifying me. I recover from this to go back to who I am, not who I, what I want to do or what I want to have, but who I am. 
Because once you get to where who you are, then what you have and what you do is part of it. Rich people, truly wealthy people, take it all away from them. Knock them in the head. Put them in the street. And by the weekend, they'll have $2,000 jingling. But you take a poor man, poor inside, and give him a $5 million lottery, and he's done. He, uh, he's in debt in two years, three. And you go, what's that? It's what's inside. It's not money management, but they can't manage money. But the wealthy man can manage it with his eyes closed. And so when you become healed, when you become, put on that who you are, I am the healed. It doesn't mean that you don't ever get sick or it doesn't mean that you don't ever miss it. It just means that's who you are and who you are is what you'll have and what you'll do. So everything has everything depends on everything is focused on changing who I am, agreeing with faith that comes by hearing and hearing and hearing because it can never be taken away from you. No matter what they put you through, no matter what you fall down in, no matter what they haul you off for, what, it doesn't matter. If, you're, if it's in you, then it's always oozing out and it's always bringing assets into your life and you can't be defeated if you know who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you just know you're a good boy and you're going to heaven, that's a whole other animal. That's hardly even relevant. You know, going to heaven is real relevant. But I mean, if you want to live to be 75 or 95, that's a lot of years to live by the curse. So back to this marker thing. You know, the, the last in the relay, when there's four, four boys passing off the baton, the fourth one, everybody knows. Everybody's going wild-eyed for him because when he crosses the line, it's over. So we know it doesn't matter like, oh, number one, you want to run again? Number three, you'd like to try it again? Nope, that's over. It's number four, and we got to know where we are. So you do it by hearing. The Lord's coming back. Now, y'all say amen. He's coming back. Well, he's not coming back for a while. Well, you didn't get that out of the Word of God. And we're not setting dates. We're not even saying giddy up. But if you want to finish your course... There's an expediting. There's a however long it's going to be before he comes back. The Lord has given you and I that much more to get our job done in a shorter time. We're not like grandma and grandpa that just sit around and, you know, take it easy. And it's not you don't have any more. There's no take it easy in your life. It's living by faith, which is like taking it easy because you dominate, you win, you, you overcome. But we got to put a giddy up in this thing. Or we'll, we'll say, you know, we, the clock will run out. Y'all ever watched a football game where you could have won, but the clock ran out? And so they, they, they put an L by your game history. They put a big L there. And if you're not Alabama, everybody's rejoicing. <laughs> so I say, and I'll quit with this, that we should draw a line in the sand. We should find what we have a conviction for. You ought to discover and say, what is it I will not do? What is it I just, instead of the pressure of the moment saying, you know, deny him or you're going. Think about it before that and say, where is my line? Well, am I, is there ever a situation where I wouldn't tithe? Well, that's a line. 
no condemnation. Just you need just need to know whatever it takes to get you not to tithe. It's coming. Everything's coming to, to get you off your line. If you'd run, if you're a married person and you would run around with somebody, if if she was hot and if she was, uh, you know, whatever. You, this is a terrible example, but I'm just saying it's real. If you would, you will, and it's going to burn everybody. So you just have to say, like you do your marriage vows, you just have to say to love her, to hold her, to keep her, to you know, all the things that we say in our vows that are so inclusive. We need to say that about our money, about our bodies, about people in our lives. We need, to, we need to draw some lines of conviction. And then when we hear the word, hear the word and hear the word, it will affirm what we've already said. This is my line. You may draw a line and think this is where I am, and it may not be where you are at all. You may just think you are until the first big devil comes by and kind of knocks you over. But we always get up and we say, whoops. I got I got Have y'all ever been to the hospital or whatever? And I have coming out and saying, this happened to me, but it will never happen to me. I, I mean, that's how I come out of them. I go, I didn't like it. This is not who I am. And I am not going back ever. And so you draw a line. We ought to draw a line about things that are non-critical like that. We ought to just say, it ain't going to happen. I've already told Deborah Ann, and I, you know, and I did that before. I lay down my life for you. It'll never come to a situation where if it's, if it's me holding off, holding out, or laying my life down for you, I've already told her, you got it. And you go, well, that's crazy. You just don't know what it is. Yeah, I do. I've already drawn that line, and that's how that is. I will never not tithe. It's my, it's my lifeline into, into uh, his lordship. Amen. Well, that's enough of that. Praise God. Did that suit y'all? Amen. All right. Yay. Well, we're the just, and we live by faith. We do. And where we're not in faith, we're getting in faith. There will always be something to get in faith. Amen. Well, we're receiving our midweek tithes and offerings.